Good morning and welcome to Inside Maine. This is Angus King this morning, and we're going to be talking about the Affordable Care Act and not really the abstract numbers and all those kinds of policy questions, but we're going to be talking about practical effects on real people in Maine of the repeal of the Affordable Care Act. Uh, late last year, uh, or in November, I got an email from uh, Ryan Cowan and Sarah Wilder in, uh, in Belfast, or is it Brewer, guys? Uh, our shop is in Belfast, but we live in Hamden. Okay, they live in Hamden, and it was about the importance of the Affordable Care Act to them and how it had uh, really helped them to make the leap into starting a new business. Ryan, uh, give me a little bit of the of the background on on why you wrote that note and and uh, why you think the Affordable Care Act's been important. Well, uh, we started Wild Cow Creamery in 2013, and since the beginning, I have had a job that provides insurance and a stable income for our family, and Sarah's been working really hard on the ice cream business. And so we're at a point now where we really need both of us to focus on the business full-time, and so with the election and the campaign that came up, um, you know, the Affordable Care Act is in question. So a big a big question that I get every time I mention I'm going to leave my job to do ice cream is, what are you going to do about health insurance? So it was right after the election, and we're having a lot of conversations in our house, serious conversations about whether this is the right time to do this or not. And Sarah asked me, like, well, what are you going to do about it? Like, how are we going to do it? And so um, I and thought... And just a few months ago, the answer was, well, the Affordable Care Act. We looked at the plans, and looks like that we can do it. To write, write to our senators and representatives to get a voice out there for people like us. Well, I, I, and I think you, you raise a point that's really important that isn't mentioned much in this whole discussion Historically, people have been in what's called job lock, where you have to stay in your job because you have health insurance, even though you may want to start a business or uh, be a writer or, or whatever. And you're a perfect example of that. And if it wasn't for the availability of reasonably priced insurance, you, you couldn't leave your employer-based health, I mean, health plan. That's, that's essentially what happened, isn't it, Ryan? Exactly. We have two small kids. They're seven years old and four years old, and um, we, it brings us to tears to think about what might happen if one of us uh, were to get sick. Or one of them. It's also a matter of when we were in our early 20s, we also made the decision, well, we can't afford health care. We're not in jobs that provide health care. We're going to graduate school, so we just won't have health care. No big deal. But we're at the point now where that's a terrifying thought. Well, and it is, I mean, so many young people have that thought. Of course, every 22-year-old is immortal, as we all know. And then all of a sudden, there's some uh, catastrophe, an accident or, or a disease that can strike younger people. And uh, without insurance, they're, they're facing a, a, a long term of a debt or uh, th that kind of thing. And, and that's, that, that's why it's so important. Uh, the other piece you mentioned is the, the coverage of your kids, and, and that's when it really comes into focus, at least it sure did for me. Yes, it really does. That's what makes it, that's when it's not just yourself you're gambling with. Now, did you uh, look on the website and, and look for uh, plans and, and options? Is that the way you proceeded? Yes, and uh, right now we had one that we had our eye on that looks like it'll really suit us. It's something that we can afford, um, amazingly enough, thanks to the subsidies, and it looks like really great coverage. In some ways, it might even be better than what we have now, 
Um, and it just looks like something that could really, you know, work for us. And so we were kind of excited, like, yay, we can do this. And It's only two or $300 a month um, with the subsidies, and that's the important part, because without the subsidies, there's no way we could afford that. We would just say we can't, we can't do that. And if you made that decision and then you said, well, okay, i got to stay in my job so I still have my employer coverage, uh, the world would be without Wild Cow Creamery. Yeah, so that's, that's the hard part about the conversations we're having is that um, we're basically in a conversation of whether we want to continue the business or not because at this point we really need both of us in the business, but if we can't get health insurance then we're either going to decide, well, we go without health insurance or we quit Wild Cow Creamery and, and stop our dream. So that's, that's the tough part. By the way, taking Wild from Sarah Wilder and Cow from Ryan Cowan, you should be ashamed of yourselves. Come on. <laughs> hey. I really had no other. <laughs> no, very, very clever, and and uh, I I think that's that's great the way you did that. Uh, well, and the other piece about the Affordable Care Act that I think people get confused. They everybody hears this term Obamacare, and they think that well, you get a card that says Obamacare, when in reality what you have is insurance through a, a commercial uh, insurance company, either the co-op in Maine, Maine Community Health Options, or uh, several other private insurance companies, but it's 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 just insurance. Only it's uh, it has a subsidy until your incomes reach a certain level, and the whole idea is to have more people with coverage. And that's our hope is to get to the point where we can afford it on our own and have a business big enough and strong enough. I mean, they, people always talk about how you know ha- having to provide health insurance to small businesses kills small bu- you know kills the small businesses of giving their employees health insurance. But if we reach the point where we have 50 employees and we can, you know, get to the point where our business is big enough that we're required to do health insurance, that's going to, we're going to celebrate. We're going to have like a party. That's going to be great. Well, and and you're absolutely right. And, you know, every big business started as a small business. And uh, people forget that, but virtually every great business, you know, Apple computer started in Steve's job, Steve Jobs' garage and, Hewlett and Packard and Google was two guys at Stanford. Every 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 big business started there, and to the extent and and again, I, as I said at the beginning, to me this was always one of the hidden benefits, was freeing people to follow their dreams and and start a small business, which could end up uh, to be a, a, a substantial employer. Exactly, it, it took a tremendous amount of stress off us when when we thought about the Affordable Care Act and starting our business and knowing that our path eventually would have both of us self-employed. It was just a huge stress relief to know that that was there for us. Well, we're, as you know, there's a, everything down here is about repeal, although I'm happy to say that uh, Senator Susan Collins and Bill Cassidy of of Louisiana, uh, our Senator Susan Collins, introduced a a replacement bill yesterday, and I was, I, I haven't looked at the details. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not ready to say this is the answer, but uh, at least people are now starting to talk about solutions and replacements. What really bothered me was when everybody was saying, repeal, repeal, and we'll tell you later what the replacement is. So uh, hopefully we're going to start seeing some serious proposals um, and uh, to, to deal with this issue so that we're not just talking about repeal. Yeah, from some of what she proposed, it 
it like it has a long way to go, but it's something. And just the you know, it, it makes me proud to be a Mainer that you know, you guys are really working hard for. It doesn't matter what the party is, you guys are working hard for us. Well, that's what you hired us for. <laughs> uh, but it it this is uh, and, and and I hope that that maybe what happened yesterday with her uh, proposal is a kind of turning of the corner on this obsession with. Uh, with repeal, it was uh, as you know we had some votes in the Senate last week to sort of start it out, and and uh, it would just be a tragedy. I mean, you you guys would be high and dry. We really would be. We're not sure because our our coverage is we need something to start on March first, and so if we're up in the air or if what we sign up for now gets taken away, um, we don't know where we're going to be. It definitely, we can't afford what's out there for private insurance. That's for sure. And and uh, and and that's really the problem. The other piece about this that has always bothered me is that people without health insurance uh, have more health problems, more serious health problems. And there are similar. There are several studies that indicate that a lack of health insurance leads to premature death. People that don't get checkups, don't get preventive care. People who have you know, a lump on their under their arm and don't really do anything about it because they don't have insurance and don't want to go to the doctor and spend a hundred dollars or five hundred dollars or whatever it is, and uh, and then uh, it's it's too late when it gets caught. And also, if you don't treat things early, often you end up in the emergency room, which is the most expensive place uh, to to take care of it. And we all pay for that if it's charity care because the hospital has to shift those costs somewhere else. Exactly. Yeah, we've been in those positions before, um, you know, not going to the dentist for five years because we didn't have, you know, insurance and incomes adequate. And, you know, even something as that can lead to heart disease. So just little simple things. And it's just like the story that you shared on the Senate floor where you're, it, it's a numbers game and it's just a math problem. So if there's people out there that don't have insurance, you're going to lose some of them because some of them are going to come down with something um, life-threatening or long-term or more severe than what they would have had if they'd been on normal checkups. Well, that's, as you as you mentioned that, what I talked about on the Senate floor one night a few weeks ago, my, my, uh, that's one of the reasons I'm so passionate about this, because as a, as a young guy in my late 20s, I had a job that had health insurance, that had preventive care as a free checkup as part of the health insurance. I went and had a checkup and discovered that I had a, a rare and very dangerous form of cancer, uh, and if, it was a kind of cancer that if you catch it early, it's, pre, it's very easy to treat. If you don't catch it early, you're a goner. And uh, I'm, here I am because of that. And I've always wondered about the young man at the same time who didn't have insurance, who didn't have the checkup, who didn't catch it, who's gone. And I've always been sort of haunted by that feeling of unfairness. And that's why that's why I'm personally so passionate about this because it's it it's it saved my life and and uh, one of the features of the Affordable Care Act is a requirement of checkups and free preventive care so you don't have that dilemma. I know for a certainty when I was 28 years old, if if I'd have had to pay uh, for that checkup, I I would I've said you know I'm I'm going from paycheck to paycheck. I can't afford this and I'm I'm fine. I'm you know 28 years old and. Uh, that's I've never you know I've never really escaped that that uh, that feeling and and that's as I say that's one of the reasons I think this is so important and I take it you agree. 
I absolutely agree. I mean, it has to be easy and it has to be affordable because people have a lot of things going on and it's easy to kind of ignore the things that aren't a real scenario. Like if, if you're not sick, then you're just dealing with what if. Like if we're, we're making the decision of whether we get rid of our business, but the alternative is a what if scenario. Like, well, we're just doing it because what if we get sick? So it's easy to say, well, we won't get sick. And then who knows what happens. Now, I have to ask you, when you sent that email, did you ever think you'd end up on the radio with your senator? No, I did not. I just felt like maybe if my voice got added to a bunch of other voices and if enough people out there had the same thought and support for affordable care, then maybe um, that we could be well represented because I know you guys look to hear the voice of the people. Go ahead, it's really Sarah. heartening that you know we that you actually think we matter. That you know so often, especially with the election cycle we just went through, it feels like your voice gets lost. And to know that somebody who is representing us actually listens is is just huge. And well, the other uh, important thing is, I feel like a lot of the voices that have spoken out negatively against the Affordable Care Act maybe aren't the people that need it. They might just be the people that have heard through the media or whatever their source is that it's doing certain things, and they don't really know how it affects people with actual small businesses who need it. Because we have talked with other people in Belfast that use it, and the reports have all been positive about how um, it's affordable, and they get treated, and they're happy with their coverage. And there's even some people that we know who have had cancer while on it and uh, hardly had to pay anything for their treatment and have, have done well afterwards. Well, they're still here today. And, and, and that's the whole idea. And, and it, the nice thing about Maine, and you mentioned about being heard, the nice thing about Maine is I've, I've always described it as a big, small town with very long streets. Uh, and we know each other and we care about each other, and, and that's, that's why the, the, we're down here working on your behalf. So uh, great to hear from you guys. Thank you for, uh, for two things, or three things. Thanks for being in touch. Thanks for really paying attention to this issue and, and reaching out, and, and also... Thanks for Wild Cow Creamery. I'll stop in the next time I'm in Belfast. We'd love to have you. <laughs> Thanks Thank you. again. Talk to you later. Welcome back to Inside Maine. Today we're talking about the Affordable Care Act, which of course is a major topic of conversation here in Washington. There are lots of people talking about its repeal. Some people, fortunately, are talking about its replacement, including our Senator Susan Collins, along with Senator Bill Cassidy of Louisiana. Uh, one of the aspects of, of this issue that doesn't get much attention is the potential effect of repeal of the Affordable Care Act on our hospitals and particularly our rural hospitals. And with me now, I have David Frum, who's the president and CEO, uh, CEO of Bridgeton Hospital. And uh, David, welcome. I, I understand you also, basically, uh, it's Bridgeton and Rumford are, are together. Is that correct? Yes, sir. I'm the CEO of both hospitals, and it's great to speak with you, Senator. Well, it was a pleasure, I, and, and you and I met at, at your hospital with a number of your physicians and leaders uh, uh, last week, and it was very illuminating for me. Share with us your thoughts about what uh, a, 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 a repeal of the Affordable Care Act without a sufficient replacement would mean uh, to the hospital. Senator, as we talked last week, and we sure appreciate the on-site visit, it was quite uh, enjoyable for us as well, and, and we learned a lot. And, and the short answer to your question is simply put, uh, sustaining the repeal of the ACA 
without a reasonable replacement uh, can be devastating to rural hospitals. Uh, as we talked about last week, Senator, about one-third of the hospitals in Maine are already operating at a loss. Um, I'm fortunate to be able to tell you that my two uh, institutions are not in that one-third, but with 7 to 8 percent of our population uh, uh, being served by getting their uh, coverage through uh, the healthcare marketplace, uh, the elimination of that revenue stream would be devastating for us. And as we also mentioned last week, Senator, uh, if you couple on top of that uh, some pretty severe uh, proposed changes from the governor's uh, budget coming forward, that double whammy would be quite an impact for us and, and for many uh, likely not sustainable. Well, really, even the as I was thinking about it after our conversation, the, the repeal of the Affordable Care Act would take away, in effect, paying customers, so that would be a negative. But then many of those customers would end up on your charity care, which would increase your cost. So there's a built-in double whammy right there without even talking about the state budget. You're absolutely correct. We, we certainly, and as we talked about last week, Governor, we certainly believe uh, more people being covered with insurance is better, let alone from the economics of it. But equally, those folks uh, that received coverage through the uh, uh, healthcare marketplace now seek preventive care. And we know, we know for fact, if folks seek preventive care, they're less likely to get the chronic, uh, very significant issues that either put them in our emergency department or with long-term care needs uh, for the remainder of their life. So uh, there, there is more than uh, a double whammy. There's a lot of impacts if this were to be repealed without a reasonable replacement or improvement. Well, a good, a good example of the chronic problem that we're talking about here is, is diabetes, which, if treated and handled well, can be managed, but if not, can lead to all kinds of complications and serious surgery and, and a long-term disability. Is that, that's the kind of thing we're talking about, I take it. That's exactly correct. And as you well stated, Senator, the reality of it is uh, without that preventive care, those uh, issues that a diabetic, a chronic diabetic might face have high costs. And uh, that would be borne by the hospitals if, in fact, there is no insurance coverage uh, provided to those folks. So it is, it is real and it is very material. And I think what a lot of people don't realize is we talk about charity care, and that sounds like, you know, there's a philanthropy out there that's going to make it up dollar for dollar. But what that really means is the hospital has to either eat it in its, in its revenues or simply pass those costs along to the rest of us in terms of, of – what we're uh, of of our private insurance or or Medicare that, that kind of thing. So it it it's not it's not like it's if it's not paid for it's free. It's got to be paid by somebody. Correct. And and as you well know, Senator, our not for profit status, uh, we we seek uh, we see to the care of all those who arrive uh, to us, but with greater and greater burdens uh, from a cost standpoint. Uh, and then uh, eliminating a significant revenue stream, that becomes an unsustainable path uh, unless we do something corrective. Well, I was struck by something you said at the very beginning, that one-third of Maine hospitals are now operating at a loss. That's, uh, that's sort of scary. Yes, sir. And, and if you were to broaden that to the more national perspective, rural hospitals around this country uh, uh, do struggle. It, it's tough to make a go of it in a rural hospital setting. Uh, we're very proud in Maine uh, that most recently the uh, LeapFrog organization named 20 rural hospitals, uh, top hospitals in the country, seven of whom uh, were here in the state of Maine. Wait a minute, uh, wait a minute. Seven out of 20 nationally are in Maine? Yeah. For rural 
hospitals, the leapfrog organization named, actually I think it was 21, seven of whom uh, were from the state of Maine. So wow. we know uh, as rural health care in the state of Maine, we're delivering exceptional quality care. And, uh, it, but that comes on razor-thin margins often. And as I mentioned, about a third of the hospitals, uh, uh, based on last uh, fiscal year's results, are, are op- currently operating at a loss. Um, and, again, if you were to uh, eliminate 7 or 8% of a revenue stream for a hospital, uh, that only exasperates that problem and, and makes the, the problem even broader. And so what happens? I mean, you, it, it seems to me there are only a couple of options at that point. One is to cut back on services, uh, lay people off, or close. I, those really are the options. Of, uh, I'm, I'm very proud, uh, Senator, as we talked about last week uh, to share with you, we, we have exceptional results from, from being very efficient hospitals at both Bridgeton and Rumford. Uh, that can only get you so far, and, and with uh, uh, a, a proposed uh, loss of 7 or 8% of our revenue stream, you're absolutely first looking at uh, restriction or elimination of services. Likely, if you eliminate services, you are talking about reductions in force, uh, which only perpetuates the problem from a socioeconomic standpoint. Uh, and, uh, and then ultimately, if, if there isn't a corrective uh, measure, there would be some of those uh, rural facilities that just won't make it. Well, and the other thing that you know we have to look at realistically is that in many of these small towns around Maine, um, the hospital is the major employer. I, I'll bet you that's true of you in Bridgeton. Yes, it is. Bridgeton Hospital is the largest employer, and and typically in smaller communities, it's not the largest employer. Probably the second largest in Rumford. Uh, the mill is a little bit larger than we are, but we are absolutely a vital part of the uh, economy of those communities as well. So if you even kind of strip uh, the healthcare aspects of this away, uh, eroding uh, your largest employer uh, and reducing their their size and scope of, of what they can do in terms of economic impact uh, has uh, cascading effect throughout the community as well. Well, I was, it's, it's a it, it could be a downward spiral, and I'm I'm very worried about and focused on the revitalization of Maine's rural economy, particularly the hits we've taken in the in the paper industry. But if you start to compromise the local hospital, that's one more reason for people not to go there, and it, it makes the revitalization challenge even harder. Um, it, it, uh, you're reducing employment or perhaps even closing the hospital, and um, it, it, it's, it, like I say, you end up with a, with a downward spiral that we're certainly hoping to, uh, uh, to avoid. There, are, there is talk now, I'm happy to say, since we met about some uh, replacement alternatives. Our own Senator Collins and uh, Senator Bill Cassidy, uh, who is a physician from Louisiana, made a proposal yesterday. Haven't looked at the details yet, but uh, I'm happy that somebody is finally coming forward and saying uh, we can't just repeal without having a responsible replacement. Well, and Senator, one of the things that struck me in our conversation last week was an, an analogy you drew. Uh, uh, if there are 21 or 22 million people in this country uh, that that uh, are afforded care through the ACA, through the healthcare marketplace, um, imagine if they were all in one apartment complex and, and we announced that we were going to uh, uh, eliminate that apartment complex but not tell those folks where they can move. Uh, so the idea of creating a reasonable replacement or improvements to the current ACA before just eliminating, it's, it's not only smart, it's, it's practical. 
Well, that's uh, that, yeah. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna move people out of something, you ought to tell them uh, what you're where you're gonna move them to before you start tearing the building down. To me, that just makes makes common sense. Listen, one of one of the other things we talked about that ties into this uh, both directly and indirectly is the terrible problem of addiction and and opioid uh, treatment that we have, and. Uh, that raises an issue to the extent people don't have coverage of any kind, Medicaid or Medicare or Affordable Care Act or other insurance. Uh, it it really ties your hands in terms of your ability to provide treatment for this really awful problem that's hitting every area, but rural areas seem to be hit particularly hard. Yes, sir. And as we talked uh, last week, and so your listeners uh, hear this, uh, we know, uh, particularly in the rural parts of, of Maine, Upwards of uh, 25% of the babies born uh, over the last year uh, had some sort of a, uh, exposure to opiate uh, or addictive uh, uh, medicine or, or drugs. I've got, I've got to stop you there. That number, when you told me that, just floored me. Uh, I had heard 12%, which I thought was shocking, but you're telling me that in, in some of the rural areas, 25% of the babies born are involved with with addiction. Yes, and as you met and as you met Senator with some of our providers who are delivering uh, wonderful uh, treatment through medication assist, assisted uh, treatment clinics that we have these patients, uh, these moms and the, these dads uh, that that have an opiate addiction can recover. And we have some great success stories. Um, as you also heard, sometimes it takes a couple of tries at it. It is an addiction. Uh, but we know uh, those that have been afforded coverage through the ACA, uh, some of those uh, do have opiate addictions, and they are able to uh, uh, access the care that they need. Uh, so it but I is- think it's important, the other thing that you just said is that it, it can work. There's an idea out there that, you know, if you're addicted, it's hopeless, it's your fault, there's nothing that can be done about it. And uh, I've met two or three physicians, it's amazing, in the last several months who have said to me that this this medication-assisted treatment is the most satisfying practice they've had because they can see miracles happen in front of their eyes. And I know last week uh, at least two of our providers were absolutely in that list. They've seen the difference it makes in people's lives, and, and I've seen it as the CEO and there is nothing more special than a, than a true recovery like that. And uh, that would certainly be uh, uh, impacted if, if the ACA were, were, were to be repealed and these folks were to be left uh, without some sort of coverage to seek that treatment. Well, we're going to keep, uh, keep working at this down here. And uh, I think it's important that the hospitals uh, like you and, and your other uh, colleagues around the state uh, speak out on this so that People are fully aware that this just isn't something about President Obama or uh, it's a, just another political issue, that it, it'll have a direct impact in uh, places like Bridgeton and Dover-Foxcroft and, and uh, Callis and uh, Caribou all over the state. So I appreciate what you're doing. And uh, any, any final word from, from your point of view? Well, Senator, as we said last week, it is an absolute pleasure to have the conversation. We are absolutely concerned that there is not reasonable replacement or improvement before a repeal. And as I offered to you, uh, I certainly want to offer again, in any way, shape, or form, uh, that I or Bridgeton or Rumford Hospitals or Central Maine Healthcare can can assist uh, in this work effort, we would be more than happy to. Well, David Frum, uh, CEO of Bridgeton and Rumford Hospitals, thank you for the time. Thank you for what you're doing, and thanks for the great service generally to the uh, people of your 
of your region. It's uh, to say it's uh, life-saving and important, of course, is an is an understatement. That's it today for Inside Maine. Thanks for being with us. We'll talk to you later. <laughs>